0: to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate, and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. Well, hey everyone! Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Welcome we to are, the
1: Book of Leviticus. Yes,
0: we are in the Book of Leviticus. We did an introduction episode last time. We did, and uh, which we weren't actually expecting to do.
1: No, we were just we came into the podcast, dude, and we're like let's talk about Leviticus, and we were like, we can't talk about Leviticus because we don't
0: know enough about these things. <laughs> There's so many different concepts that Leviticus is wrestling with, like God's presence and holiness and uh, atonement and animal sacrifice, and so if you're like Jumping in at this one because you were like, you oh, t- oh, I don't read book introductions. Why should I read this introduction? Listen to this introduction. Go back. I was personally helped <laughs> yes, by like so processing
1: out loud because I think still the idea of animal sacrifices is counterintuitive yep. to everything that I know in my entire life. It's not a super 21st century idea. No, it's not. <laughs> and even like some of the things we talked about, I think particularly the idea that we're not buying our way into God's presence with the right. blood of an animal. Yep. That's still like, even though we talked about it for like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. last time, I was still, as I was rereading Leviticus this morning and last night, kept thinking like, wow, man, God requires so much for me to be in his presence. Yeah. That's not what's happening. The story of the entire Bible up to this point is that God's presence, God wants to be with his people. Right. And God is already with his people. And we need to make ourselves like God in order to remain with God. Right. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. And I think one of the things we didn't talk about last time, which is helpful here, we're about to go through all these five different types of sacrifices or four sacrifices. Five. five I think, five. Yeah. And you have God's presence mm-hmm. in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is and those angel things
0: and the cherubim. The cherubim. Not angels. Not angels. Definitely not angels.
1: With, you know, the face melting power <laughs> is right there in the middle. <laughs> the face melting power. That's God's presence. Is that's in the middle. your
0: translation of Shekinah.
1: That's, that's exactly okay. right. And then. The idea is like there's concentric circles of holiness right. around that place, and then you have the outer courts of the temple, which is still holy but somehow less holy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And even the entire nation of Israel yep. is still, still holy but less holy. And when we say holy, it's part. It, God's presence resides there. Yes. God's presence is there. So when you commit a sin, when you do something wrong, when you disobey in God's presence, it makes you. Uh, at odds with God, that's you right. become darkness in a world of light. That's right. And eventually, darkness is always overcome by light. Yep. If you've ever turned on a light switch, that's what <laughs> All happens. All the darkness goes All away. All the darkness goes away. That's right. So as you commit sin, do wrong in a world of light, you will be devoured by it. Yeah. And we talked about that at length in the last right. episode. Yes, we did. So, so
0: go back, listen to those things. Right. Uh, they provide a really helpful context, and I think you've done a good job summarizing them here. Um, And so we're going to jump in, um, and and the book of Leviticus starts off with this phrase, like, God called to Moses, which, like, is...
1: Yeah, it's repeated over and over and over and over over again. again. Every time a new sacrifice is introduced, every time there's, like, a break in the text, and the Lord called to Moses, the Lord called to Moses, the Lord called to Moses. And
0: apparently, this word call is actually um, a little more intense than said or spoke. it's, It's a much more selective term, used far less often. It's like... And so the point of that is because, like we talked about in the introduction, um, Leviticus stands at the pinnacle of the Torah. It's the it's the high point of the Torah, uh, because in, It's in, how we live in God's presence. That's how we live in God's presence. It's like, it, it's the crescendo of the Torah. How do we get into God's presence? And so, God spoke to Moses, God said to Moses, but here God calls to Moses, and it's almost this also beckoning, that God is um, saying, come in. Come back to the garden with exactly. me. Exactly. Come okay. back in with me. And so, um, so, one thing we should say yep. here then, so God is calling
1: us, Moses, back into the garden, but Literarily, like oh, as yes. a story, these first several sacrifices aren't an exhaustive list of all the sacrifices that could be made. Right. I think Salehammer just says, you should think about it like a genealogy in Genesis or the beginning of First Chronicles. It's a list of the major characters that you need to be familiar with That's right. when you get into the book of Leviticus. Yes. Burn offerings, guilt offerings, sin offerings are all going to play a role, particularly when the temple is dedicated and God's presence falls for the first uh-huh. time. So when you get to chapter 8, it's going to talk about God's presence falling and it will use shorthand for all these things. The bull of the sin offering. You're yeah. Like, oh, I've read. I about know what that. that is. I read that in the right. first chapter of Leviticus. Exactly.
0: So yeah, and Winham, Gordon Winham, in his commentary, talks about how um, these are structured in such a way that uh, it, it might it might just be built in such a way that, like, for memorization, like the like if right. a new priest is being indoctrinated and brought in indoctrinated uh, indoctrinated <laughs> it has such negative connotations it but it's just being taught, it's being taught the doctrines catechized yeah catechized oh, is that the is that the nice version of indoctrinate it's the christian taught. version taught taught as a new priest is being taught everything it's like uh, you have okay here so the first three are grouped together they, they are they're like food based that bring a pleasing aroma to the lord Right. right, and then there's then there's ones that deal with silt and sin, silt, silt? sin and guilt is what sin I was trying guilt, to yeah. put and together pe- there. There's peace offerings. That's right,
1: and the sin offerings, particularly in the first half, are all unintentional sins.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, we'll get to all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so anyway, and so basically, I like the idea of like a cast of characters. So you got to get right. familiar with these these first sacrifices, these first five. And so um what I want to say before we go into so that's what we're doing today. We're like we want to give you a sketch yep. of the characters exactly. so that when you read the be-
1: rest of the book of Leviticus, uh-huh. you're not
0: totally lost. That's right. But what we need to remember is I think a lot of people when they think of Leviticus, they think of it as a list of laws, like a list of rules, a list right. of ordinances. And while it has those things in it, it is still a narrative. Um, It's a narrative text. God came to Moses and said, and then Moses said, and then these things happened. So it's a narrative, and it's fitting into the wider narrative. And we always need to keep that in mind, that God has brought his people out. He's bringing them into a new Garden of Eden, which is exampled in this tabernacle. And now he's saying, I want to live with you. Here's how. So I just want us to always remember we're in the middle of a story. Yes, and it's a beautiful story of how to live with God. And so, and one of those patterns of the story that we've seen, we talked about this in
1: an Exodus podcast somewhere, and somewhere in that, just go listen to all of them. Just rate us on iTunes. (laughs) Uh, um, Normally, what ends up happening is that there will be a narrative, and then there will be some type of sin or conflict. And the response to the people's sin is a list of laws mm-hmm. to correct the sin that just happened. Right. So we saw this when Israel worshiped the golden calf. As soon as that happened, there was a list of laws right. to help them not make that same sin again. So the book of Exodus ends. Moses is unable to go into the temple. And now there's a list of laws to help him not make the same mistakes as he did before. Exactly right. So that pattern repeats itself throughout the Pentateuch. And we're in the oh, middle yeah. of a
0: long section of it.
1: Like, yep. how do we get to be in God's presence? If we can't be in it now, how do we get in
0: it? Yep. And so we, we jump in, and there's just right out of the gate, the first four verses of Leviticus are just like packed full of stuff. And so we, we meet the first offering we meet is the burnt offering, which is I, I like whole offering better. Okay, and that's W H O L E, the whole thing, just not <laughs> not, a, not a little like. Have you heard that like philosophical question, like what is a whole? Oh yes, <laughs> <It's> like, what <laughs> well, is that's a, the worst? Is it, it philosophy? Is it nothing? But if it's nothing, that's yeah. boundless. It has no... Yeah, but a hole has properties and constraints. Right. Like and it, it is something. It is something. But it's also the absence of something. it's nothing. It's not <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh, anyway, not that kind of hole, but a... How would you even offer inter- a hole? Inter- <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> in terms of the entirety. So what we're talking about here, the burnt offering is an offering in which um, the entire animal, a young bull, a lamb, a goat... Um, Would be brought from a person's herd, um, and and would be put on. It would be killed by the altar. Its blood would be drained out, and then the whole animal just it it would be like kind of like severed up, chopped up a little bit, placed in pieces on the altar outside the tabernacle where there was this fire burning, and the whole thing would burn up, and the smoke would rise. And actually, the word "burnt" in Hebrew is um, is closer to the word of our word "ascending." So even the very word in it is this whole idea of like this smoke going up to God offering.
1: So what is an offering versus a sacrifice yes so we've we talked a lot about sacrifice in the last episode we didn't talk anything about offerings and this is described as an offering and it doesn't
0: even mention why you'd be offering it it does not we get no we get no prescriptions for when why like we only get the how uh when um, when, a food offering (laughs) winham explains it like it's a prayer book where all the prayers got taken out and all you have left are the rubrics (laughs) like
1: what does he mean by that Like, like like
0: the so sit down and then say and then there's nothing. Like it's like all the prayers are taking out. <laughs> and so it, this is literally just the the rule book of how to do it, not why, because the why's come later in Leviticus and then we okay. see them all throughout the Old Testament. You know, so we get our so situations if, for these these right. when, as we read the Bible. More than likely,
1: a person reading this for the first time would have been familiar with a burnt offering. Oh, so definitely. they know what they're reading. Exactly, right. So, what it, Is this for sin? Is this thank you to God? Like why would I, if I was a Hebrew reading these rules, like, oh, this is so clarifying for me because otherwise I would have offered an offering this way. So like what do they think they're accomplishing by offering a whole offering?
0: Yeah, so there's a there's an, and, and with all of these we should say there's a lot of debate around all of them because there isn't a straightforward answer. Right. So we have to just give our opinions. A lot of these
1: we'll talk about atonement, but this one doesn't.
0: No, it does. It does. Right oh. at the top. Yeah, the whole oh, thing yeah. is about atonement. Oh, I kept
1: looking for it cuz I was like, It's I'm right sure. at
0: the, it's the it's heading. It's I'm the, sure the, I read the it. first reason we're given for these offerings is atonement. That's right. And so like the, the Oh, yeah, there it is. which Verse which four. should shape the whole book of Leviticus for us. Like, right at the top, it's, had... it's why are we here? Atonement. What do we do? Burn offering. And then we just keep going, and then we meet back with atonement once we get to the and sin I mean, offerings and again. And atonement,
1: we talked about at one meant, right? but what we really mean, like, we're being made like God. Yes. If we're darkness, we're being made like light. Yep. If we have death in us, we're being made like light. Yes. Like, we are being made into the image of God through these sacrifices. Yeah, but this somewhere. word, kipper,
0: you know, <laughs> which kipper? is the, the yeah, atonement. In Hebrew, the the horrible kipper, redneck kipper, <laughs> but uh, the uh, it also has this idea of propitiation. You know, it also is propitiatory, where it's it's God's God has wrath against sin, and He has graciously given us a way for that wrath to be dealt with. Right. And so, atonement has uh, like has two meanings, two re- really clear meanings in Hebrew. One is to wipe clean, and the other is to make a ransom payment. And both of those here make a lot of sense. And so um, uh, uh, I know that a lot of commentators say it's just, it would be wrong to choose which one we're talking about because we get both. Right. As we
1: talked about last time, it's like we talked about how, like, if you come near the sun, by virtue of being the sun and you not being the sun, you just get dissolved. Yes. And that's not the sun actively punishing you, but in a sense it is. Yeah. Like you can't. It's being consistent with who it always is. Right. And so, in the same way, when we talk about God's wrath or anger at sin, He's being consistent with his life and powerful force he right. can
0: have nothing to do with death right. and darkness right it's and not it's this p- passive accident though that right. happens it's like God does actively punish sin so we don't need to be afraid of God's active right. wrath but it's not something that we meet here necessarily in Leviticus actually you know I guess we do later on when we get to Aaron's sons right we meet God's active wrath yeah uh, whenever people die. Um, and we've met it in Genesis, and we've met it in Exodus, and we'll meet it a lot in Numbers. Yeah, a lot when it's what does it look like to live with God in the wilderness? It's it gets messy. So the point then of the yes, sacrifice, right, is it makes propitiation, and so like um, if you look at it makes it, it makes atonement. It it, appe- it like it it makes a way for sinful people to live at peace with God. Okay, and so like if we looked at the at the rest of the Old Testament, whenever burnt offerings are made, um, David. Um, he brings a burnt offering whenever there's a plague uh, against Israel. And when David offers it in Second Samuel twenty-four twenty-five, the, the the plague stops after David offers the, the burnt offering. Uh, we're told in Job 1-5, That Job offered burnt offerings every week for each of his seven sons. And here's the reason he gave. He said that it may be that one of my sons may have sinned. (laughs) And so he gave these just burnt Hmm. offerings every week for every one of his seven sons just in case they sinned. So he's making atonement for them every week. Uh, and then after Job's whole ordeal was over with his friends, and, you know they were saying a bunch of terrible things. Job says that they should all go offer burnt offerings for themselves, so that God wouldn't deal with them according to their folly, which is in Job forty two eight, which I think is really funny. So
1: yeah, the purpose of the sacrifices is to make to make a way for people to live in God's presence. Yes, B- that, most that, broadly that,
0: that for this offering, for I the, think. Okay, yeah, for the burnt offering, and there's and there's some other reasons where it will be given later that people would give them. There's so there's kind of two things happening with the burnt offering: one, atonement. That that the wages of sin is death, as Romans would say, right? And we see that when like our sin requires death, it might not be for a specific sin; it's more for general sin. Right, general sin. You say that and you you salute, you salute somebody, yeah, okay. General Sin, and you 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 offer that up on the burn offering, and you're saying this should have happened to me under God's wrath, but instead it's happening to this animal. And it's this visceral, emotional experience that you have whenever you say like this should have been my life, but instead it's this animal's life. That's one thing that's happening. Okay. The other thing is happening in the whole offering, in a burn offering, is that you're saying like I'm 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 at great cost to myself, pledging my allegiance. To God, it's an act of faith because you are taking in this economy. Imagine this: this um, migrating precious precious animal, yeah, this migrating um, poor, formerly slave nation that are in the middle of the wilderness, moving from one country to another. Like they're tending these animals every day to keep them alive and get them fat enough to be able to eat or provide milk or whatever, and then to take that whole thing, put it on the altar, and not even get, uh, you know. Uh, one steak out of it, yeah. you know, like yeah. is so costly. It's the most expensive thing they could have done, and, and they're saying like, "I love Yahweh, and I'm 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 putting all my faith in Him." Here the, it is. Uh,
1: the only other category I have for offering is tithe and offering. Oh gosh, so that's the only other time I've ever gotcha. used that word is right. tithe and offering. Right, and so I think of tithe, what's required? Oh, okay, the ten percent, right? You know? yep. and then the offering is like what I feel like giving on top of that because I'm especially. In love right. with the Lord, or want to show my dedication. Yeah. So in, sometimes in my mind, I think of sacrifice as what's required, I see. and an offering as special
0: sauce right. that I add. <laughs> that I want. To. No, we'll meet the special sauce later in the free will offering. Okay. But uh, we don't need to conflate, uh, or we should more likely conflate sacrifice and offering in the way you're talking about them. We don't need to separate them. We could bring them together. There's not really a huge difference between offering and sacrifice. Okay. Here. And so that might be more of an imposed categorical right. difference. Well, that's the first thing I thought. I was like, so an offering, is this just something
1: that we want to do just in case? So just because we love God? But so sometimes. But you're saying primarily what's happening is that we recognize that we are in God's presence and we've violated one of his rules in some way and we want to be made right with God and we recognize that happens through a whole sacrifice, a whole offering. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes.
0: Other times it happens because you're, you had a child. And you want to dedicate them. Other times it could be for ritual cleansing. Other times it could be because you want to offer an offering of thanksgiving. So like so what's happening the, here the category of burnt offering is like one way to prepare an offering that communicates one certain type of thing. It's not like, okay, this one thing happened, therefore I go make a burnt offering. What's it, helping it, me here yeah. is,
1: because I keep being confused, like, well, what is a burnt offering then? I keep forgetting. This is a Cate- character. It, it's a ca- Yeah, it's a category. It's a category. It's yeah. a type of character that yes. you'll meet later on in Leviticus, and it has a bunch of different functions. Right. It does a bunch of different things. These aren't
0: things that you go like, okay, so I did X, therefore I have to do a burn offering instead of a grain offering. No, 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 no. These are, there's five different types of offerings that are prepared in different ways and communicate different things. How you use them and when you use them, the circumstances in which you use them vary widely, and you might do two or three offerings for one action, Or you could choose between one of the two. Interesting. And so, yeah, it's a little less prescriptive.
1: We should do a Venn diagram. (laughs) It would be a very messy Venn
0: diagram. Um, Yes, I'm sure many people would benefit from that. Um, So the burnt offering offering. is an
1: entirely burned up animal. Entirely burned up. And not even the priest will eat from it.
0: No one eats from it. Not even the priest. That's right. And no one gets anything from it. Like not the skin, like nothing. We're
1: told it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord.
0: Yes, that one, that's hard for me for some reason because just i think because of when, when you when i go and read like pagan literature you know from that same time right. period and you hear of these gods How often do you read pagan literature I from mean, 3000 more than i should 6000 how long ago was that i don't i don't want to answer that question <laughs> i plead the fifth on that one um no but uh you you see these gods uh the 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 aroma of sacrifices filling their nostrils and it's very visceral and it's very um, uh, barbaric, and we've talked about this already in, on the podcast before. But the gods smelled the food um, with this insatiable hunger, and they were like, "Oh, dinner's ready," and right. they feasted. The sacrifices That's, were mm-hmm.
1: a way for uh, the gods to be fed by the people. That's because right, because they were dependent but on the humans.
0: soothing aroma. Here is so categorically different from how the pagan gods smelled. The sacrifices of pagan people, instead of it being a a a wafting aroma, if you would like, if you you know you think of a cartoon character being carried right, right, along right. by the smoke, you yeah. know, and they they go to a pie on a windowsill and they're floating in the air. Tom and Jerry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what you could see, like a, a a pagan god, how you could see a pagan god smelling a pagan sacrifice. Here, it's a soothing aroma, and the first time we come upon this is after the flood. And so God is so angry with the world that he floods the world, right? He's this is active wrath, you know. Yeah. But then um, Moses makes a whole offering, a burnt offering. We get this offering. This offering. This offering okay. after the flood, he makes a burnt offering and it goes up as what you just read, a soothing aroma to the Lord. And what happens when that hap- when when that when that aroma goes up is God says never again will I flood the earth. And, and so what a soothing aroma does to God, and it doesn't do it to God. God, it's God allowing something to be done is what this is. This is all this gracious gift that God is giving us to create an economy in which we can be made right. But what happens is um, God uses these sacrifices— to not not necessarily to change us, but to show us that He has changed, that He is going to treat sin not as it deserves, that He is going to be merciful instead of just. And and we get to see that action take place in the animal dying, in it being burned up, and the smoke going up. We get to see the economy that that is being transacted here with this animal dying and God deciding to be merciful instead of just. So Soothing aroma.
1: Soothing aroma. And we have a New Testament counterpart to this. Yes. In Second 2 Corinthians uh, 2.15. It took right. me like five minutes to, to find, find it. it. <laughs> but it was 2 Corinthians 2.15. Uh, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To want a fragrance from death to death, together a fragrance from life to life. So this idea of being there, of being a whole offering mm-hmm. that is burned up and is a pleasing aroma to lo- the Lord. In the New Testament, we're told it's Jesus. Right. Jesus is he offers up him his, his whole self. self. He leaves nothing behind. That's right. He doesn't like preserve a part of him, part nope. of himself to like hold on to his humanity or his divinity. He right. descends into hell, as the Apostles' That's Creed right. says it he like, died died he died. Like, he really died <laughs> he
0: really really died and then we too yes
1: become sacri- whole sacrifices right. as well this is why what Jesus will say over and over again like if you want to find your life you, you must lose it,
0: lose it. That's right. if you want to
1: save your life you must die mm-hmm. which i think so like i don't think of myself as a whole offering mm-hmm. but that's the way the bible will see human beings like yes. we don't do child sacrifices but we don't do human sacrifices but there is a whole offering. Our entire lives are given up to the Lord because Jesus gave his entire life for us.
0: Yes. Yeah, and we carry, as you said, the, the aroma of Christ's death with, with us everywhere we go. And when certain people smell it, they smell death and they hate it. Right. right? The second Corinthians says. And then other times they smell it, it's sweet and they love it. And, right. And it's like you can, you can almost see that aroma of death in in the in the camp, imagine if a foreigner came in or something like that, and you just smell all this burning flesh and hair. Right? right? Ugh! You're like, oh, it's gross. But to someone who knows what that's doing for them in the presence of God, yeah. it doesn't matter how bad it smells. It's a sweet aroma to them because they know what it accomplished. And so that's what we send out to the world. Right? Is we're like some people are like, like oh, yeah, Jesus died on a tree and like on a cross, and you think he rose from the dead, like. One, that sounds like a fairy tale. Two, how could that ever accomplish anything? Three, why is God angry? And they have all these re- reasons why it sounds terrible to them. But whenever you realize that it's salvation for you, the whole offering of Christ is a sweet aroma.
1: Yeah. I remember one of the first conversations, Passion of the Christ, I don't know. It came out when I was in high school. Oh, yeah. And I remember uh, talking about it with some of my non-Christian friends. Like, all my cr- friends were non-Christian. I lived in Scotland. <laughs> I didn't know anybody that was Christian. Um... And I was like, what did you think of, think of it? And he's like, it just seemed pointless to me. Mm. He's like, "Like why? It's like, it's, I just watched a, a Jew get brutalized. Right. And it was like, he had no, it yeah. meant nothing to exactly.
0: him. Exactly. It was the Rome of, of death to him. It was, it was all he could it, it, smell it, it, was and, death.
1: It meant nothing. And so this is helping me, I think, understand that like, if Jesus Christ gave up his entire life to provide me life, to make mm-hmm. me one with God, to provide atonement for me, if his, God's love, and so we talked about, the Book of Leviticus is grace. Yes, like if this whole offering is an act of grace towards God, Jesus far more so is an act of grace towards us. God's love and His grace was incarnated in a sacrifice, mm. and we too respond by incarnating the same love in sacrifice for yes. one another.
0: Right. It's so beautiful that we get to do that. Right. You know, and um, it's pleasing to the Lord. It's pleasing. It's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Now, now, when we go and love others. And lay our lives down for someone else, we get to be that pleasing aroma to God. How amazing is that?
1: And I think most of the time, I always consider my motives mixed in mm, something. Yeah, and like I'm never really confident that what I'm doing is actually worth. Like God actually approves of. Yeah, like I, uh, Seth tried his best, but there's all this wrong motives, and uh, he kind of messed up here and here. The end result was fine. Yeah, but I'm always like measuring myself against perfection. Oh yeah. and I'm thinking like, oh, man, I'm not really. My whole heart is not in this. You know, like, I'm not doing this Definitely. perfectly. yeah. And I think what's encouraging about this is that Jesus is our whole sacrifice and we are declared, we're called pure and holy by God. Even if our motives are mixed, even if our actions are not totally good, God sees them as a pleasing smelling aroma. Mm. He sees them as Good, right? In this sight, like, he enjoys the smell of them, even if you know they're kind of shot through with sin, right?
0: And yeah, and that's because it's Christ working through us, and he's seeing his Son operate, who's already offered the perfect, pleasing sacrifice, which is yeah, why it's uh, acceptable. Which is another thing that like is is constantly talked about here. It's in in Leviticus is that your offering might be acceptable. Like the acceptability of the sacrifice is something that's returned to over and over and over again. And you have to go through these certain rules and, and, and methods so that the sacrifice might be acceptable. Um, and a lot hung on that for people because if your sacrifice wasn't accepted, um, you and God were still at odds. Right. And so the acceptability of a sacrifice is a big deal. So just be looking for that as you read Leviticus, I would say. You know. Um, okay, before we move on from burnt offering, um, I just want to kind of paint a quick picture of what might be happening. Um, And you can kind of pull from the rest of the Old Testament um, because I feel like we can read this, it can feel really wooden, but we know that this is a very emotional experience. And I've talked about that a little bit with how costly it is to bring this one-year-old male, perfect lamb from your herd. The male's the most expensive, valuable, right? If if it's without blemish, it's going to create the best progeny, the best offspring after it. Uh, And then in an economy of scarcity, especially when it comes to meat, and milk and, and wool right. and things like that. Like killing an animal is the worst business decision you can make. Right. And so like for us where you can go to McDonald's and get a burger for a buck, it's yeah. like we don't understand how rare and precious meat is. But to them, this is the most intimate sacrifice they could possibly make. So you, you imagine taking this lamb from your herd that you have raised you know you know the cost you know what right. this is expensive bring it up and then then they're told to lay their hands on the animal and, yeah. and that word lay it, it like also means like lean like to press into like and so it's this idea a couple things are being communicated there one is ownership this is my lamb from right, my right, flock right, right, right. the other David's is tra- hitting his hand I am, AM, AM. AM. I am. Like, yeah. it's, mine. it's mine mine, mine. the <laughs> other is transference which we'll learn over and over again in Leviticus, uh, and in Numbers it happens again that people lay their hands on and the guilt of sin is passed through to right. other people. We'll we see it really clearly at the beginning of numbers. Last
1: week too, how like life for life, blood for That's blood. Right. Yep. And there's a sense that our death is being passed yep. to this animal. Yes. And the the life blood, right. the blood that signifies life, is being passed to right. us. And nothing. so you just imagine right.
0: like Putting your hands in the wool of a yeah. lamb and being like, "Okay, buddy, <laughs> my, I'm sorry, right? This my sins, yours now." I and don't there's think a you feel like
1: it. I, I automatically tell like, "Well, that's not a mystical experience. Like, it's not like when you put your hands. Oh no, it's, it's like, very raw. It's like it's not. Oh, this feels like I feel something.
0: I feel God. something. <laughs> the, the sins draining <laughs> out of me. I can feel it.
1: it. It was it was symbolic. It would have felt it like, was symbolic. It would like you're placing your hands on the table. So it's like this doesn't feel like it's doing anything. Yep. that's not the point. Yeah, what you're do- like you putting your hands on it. Yeah. Is it magical? Right. It's but gu- some, some things would right. happen that would help right. that.
0: So like one, you would, you would probably end up talking to the priest about why you're offering this. I'm here with this lamb because dot, dot, dot. Right. right. So you would be talking, you'd confess a sin, you'd tell him that you had a new son that was born, whatever. And then often what would happen is you probably would sing a hymn. Because all over the Psalms, the burnt offering is mentioned constantly. So especially Psalms 40, 51, and 66, they talk about the burnt offering, and most people think, and we see them sung in other history books in the Old Testament, people think you would come, you would lay your hands on, you would confess your sin or whatever, and then you would sing a hymn. You would, hmm. And you would imagine so holding would you, a lamb it and singing just, a hymn. Would it just be you and the priest hanging yep. out? Yep. Or would it be like your whole family? Your whole family could be, there, depending on how close you were to the tent, Right. Because, oh, right, right, because
1: uh-huh. only men. Could That's be right. In the so it's it probably just
0: the man, his lamb, and the priest. In front of this altar and he would sing over it and then the man after leaning on the lamb i can imagine bringing my son to that I like know. you know if like yeah, I once like, they were of age like once yeah. they
1: were of age like okay sons we're gonna go off for the sacrifice yeah. and me like being as a dad like this is how we worship the lord together oh, could you imagine yeah right
0: okay interesting I've, 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 the picture that that right. would paint though for your kids yeah 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 anyway and so you lean on the lamb you confess your sin you sing a hymn of thanksgiving uh, um to god and then you pick up a knife and you yourself, as the worshiper, actually kill the animal and drain its blood, and you chop it up, lay it on the fire, and then your work's finally done. <laughs> like, but as the worshiper, you're doing all this work. And so I just wanted to like paint this picture. Every time you're re- as you're reading through all these sacrifices, when you read Leviticus, like this was an emotional thing that happened. And so um, I just think it's important to kind of get out of the woodenness right. of how Leviticus sounds. And
1: if you're from a more traditional church background, mm-hmm. like a lot of Lutheran services, yep. like they'll have a similar order of service. Right. Like, you come into the presence, there's a call of, to worship. Yes. There's a confession of sin. Yep. There's, sing a hymn you'll of sing lament a hymn or something. And then you'll have an assurance of pardon. That's right. So like they're repeating, like those, are, those exist in more liturgical services because they're following the book of Leviticus. Right. They're like, oh, these are biblical patterns for yes. how to worship the Lord. And we want to put those into action in our church services
0: yeah right so that's kind of there's a lot there's a lot more we could talk about with burn offerings but we'll move on to grain offerings okay so my favorite offering your favorite oh because you're a baker because i'm a baker yes so all the people are coming with their baked goods yeah anyway i I figured you would like this one (laughs) i'm excited so uh this is a grain offering no animals involved uh, you bring some fine flour, and you can prepare it in three different ways. Yep. Right? You can yep, yep, yep. bake it. You can bring it raw with some frankincense inside of it. Oh, you can right. Some just some dough. It. Yeah, yeah. Just, or, or just some flour. Here's flour. But yeah. you can prepare it in three ways is what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. You can cook it. So you can bake it, right? Yeah. Like the baker. But then you can kind of like sear it in a pan, or you can pan fry it or you can roast it verse 14
1: if you offer a grain offering of first fruits to the lord you shall offer it for the grain offering for your first fruits of the year ears roasted with fire crushed new grain so roasted, like roasted roasted corn roasted
0: barley roasted uh, oats like 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 the, it, f- like the fair like the, fa- what? Roasted corn at the fair.
1: Oh, yes. I thought about that. I was like, man, this would be like a barbecue. This would yeah. be great. Like, uh, yeah, anyway. I got, I'm getting excited because, like, roasting brings out all these great flavor nuances, <laughs> and flour, <laughs> and corn. Anyway.
0: And so, this one, again, we, we're not told when you bring this, why you bring this. We'll meet all that later. We're meeting a cast of characters here. So, here we're meeting. This is a grain offering, and you right. bring your grain. Um, you know, one, one big thing is going to be first fruits. So, like this, these are often offered in harvest season. Whenever and first
1: fruits literally mean, like, I have a large crop, and I'm, or give, I have any crop, I have any crop, and before I eat of it for mm-hmm. my family, I'm gonna take the first part. I'm gonna give it to the Lord. Right, but say- there's also,
0: um, it's also how grain grows is um, certain parts of your field will will produce first. Oh, okay. And you'll see it, and you'll go, my grain's going to be productive this year, right? And so you'll go over to it, and you'll be like, this is a symbol that the rest of the field is also going to grow and produce fruit. But you grab that, and you take that to the Lord, and you say, thank you, Lord. You made my crops grow this year. Here's my offering. And you take the first thing that popped up, the first fruits... That popped up, you take that to God and you say, Thank you. And so, um, it's
1: an act of faith, too. It's, it's definitely like, an act of faith. It's like, it's like, I trusted that you brought
0: the first fruits, yep. so I will trust that you'll bring the rest as well. It's the, oh, I just thought of this. What? It's the opposite of the manna from Exodus. So, when the manna okay. came down from heaven, everyone was taking as much as they could and hiding it. And like trying to keep it left over, and God would send worms to make it fester and and die out. They weren't trusting. Now the first fruits is taking the grain and saying, "Okay, God, you take it. I trust you." Instead of me hoard it, I don't trust you. It's like the opposite of the manna thing. That's cool. That's fascinating. Anyway, and over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus is described as the first first fruits from the grave, the first fruits, fruits, the firstborn of Of, the Son of God of all all creation. creation. Yep.
1: And the reason that's significant is because in the same way that this offering was a symbol that God was faithful with the first part, he'll be faithful with the rest. That's Jesus exactly is right. the same thing. Jesus, God is faithful to us in Jesus, and he's faithful to us in Jesus to raise him from the dead. That's right. How much more so will he raise everybody else from the dead to right. trust in him?
0: If the first little crop of Jesus rose from the dead, the rest will surely come. He's yes. the first fruits from the grave. Okay, um, so this, this, um, this grain offering is it's often used, this term, the the Hebrew term is often used to mean a tribute uh, paid to like a vassal or a king. Like an overlord. I volunteer as tribute. tribute. (laughs) Katniss Everdeen pops onto the scene, (laughs) With a bowl of 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 roasted grain. (laughs) It's like, no, 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 you actually have to go and die. Oh, never mind. I I take it back. Um, And so it's like this tribute you would bring to a king, basically saying like, we are your humble servants. You have been kind to us, king. Let us continue to live in your land. Here is a piece of bread I made for you and it's okay, like okay, okay. give continue to give us your goodness and your faithfulness and let us live in your land we've been conquered by you we give it to you uh, thank you and that's that's what it's right. you and we see it we see it in judges and second samuel first kings and second kings this is always shown in a political geopolitical context mm-hmm. of like thank you for being so such a kind king to us here is your right. bread uh, but it's really easy to see this as a, in the religious, spiritual sphere here, that God has saved Israel. He's conquered them, in a sense, right. bought them for himself, given them a law, saying, I'm going to be your vassal king right. and rule over you. Bring me my tribute, right? right. That's right. what you right. do. And as you do that, it's, it's, it's an act of thanksgiving, allegiance, everything like that. And as you do that, I'll continue to be a good king and live in the land and right. you know everything like that. Verse
1: thirteen says, "You shall season all your grain offerings with salt, salt. and you shall not let the salt of the covenant mm-hmm. be missing." So, exactly. what's the salt of the covenant?
0: So, the, again, this is the whole idea of uh, the vassal, like the vassal, and what's a the vassal?
1: Just means a, a superior power That's and a right. lesser power, right? right. Like, yeah. so
0: if you're a vassal king, you're a superior king, right?
1: Or you're a lesser king? No, yeah, I don't know. I think the vassal is the weaker king. Yeah, I think so. Coming to the stronger
0: king. Oh right, yes, right, right, right. right, right. right. So anyway, suzerain, yeah. suzerain, yeah, vassal suzerain. Yeah, That's right, right. no one cares about this, but anyway, yeah, all of our biblical study things are popping back up in our minds. But just a king and servant, or king and, and civilian. Yeah. So you have a uh, you have a king and a civilian, and they made a covenant with one another. Here's my laws. This is what it takes to live in the land. You can live here, pay taxes, but I will build roads and take care of you, and my armies will fight to protect your borders. Great deal. Got it. So the covenant we've just read. In Exodus, right, and so now we get to read, uh, we get to see here now what what's what do you bring to this king for making this? It's it's you you brings you put salt in all the food, and that salt is this moment in preparing the dish that you would make where you said, okay, God said that this salt represents the covenant because salt preserves, you know.
1: Do we have does that happen? somewhere? I don't remember that in Genesis or Exodus.
0: What salt
1: being a symbol? Oh of no, the just now, just now. This is the so like this is the first time. So God's just saying to Moses, Okay, salt, the salt
0: of the covenant. Salt. I've just given you a new symbol. Okay. But it's like it's already but it's salt has that symbol already, the symbolic quality of preservation, right? And and, right. and, and so it's like Flavor, I will I, and, taste well in like faithfulness, like it's going to keep. Like the the covenant between us will keep. So put salt in the tribute you bring to me as a sign it's a very covenantal thing.
1: Right. And if you're talking about too, like grain and like first the grain of first fruits, mm-hmm. like the idea that this first part guarantees the next part. Right. There's this idea of keeping over the promises, continuing on, and preserving to the next generation. Right. So salt is a symbol of those things as well. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so, um, and, and you know, it's just, it's cool to see that in Christ, that uh, he he's, he salts our covenant, if you will, in a sense, where we don't, and we don't have to put the salt in ourselves. Instead, we get to see now that he's at the right hand of God, continually making, his appeal to to, to him, the, the, the first fruits from the grave is now at the right hand of God, continually making sure the covenant continues to us. Um, he is like our eternal salt, if you will.
1: Right. And in, in the book of Mark too, uh, Mark says that we are salted with fire. Yeah. Which is a really strange phrase. I don't understand But that. I think a lot of people, a lot of scholars point to this as mm. the interpretation of that. The idea is in the same way that the salt, like Jesus, salted with fire is a symbol like you are preserved through suffering, okay. Essentially, and the guarantee that we will rise again mm. is through Jesus being salted with fire. The symbol of the covenant is the salt and fire, and we have fires also intrinsic to sacrifice it gets mm. burned up. And so, this, Mark is like conflating all these ideas of sacrifice yeah. into this phrase "salted with fire." So, how are you and I saved too? We are saved by Jesus being salted with fire, but us too being willing to be salted with fire, to go through fire, to be preserved
0: through suffering. So you're saying like what he means when he says salted with fire is since God was faithful to Jesus through his persecution and death to resurrect him from the grave. To preserve him, to keep him, to to be faithful to him in his covenant to him. So too, you can go through any trial, any persecution, even death. And you, my salt, my promise to you will persevere and you will be raised from the grave. Is that what you're saying? Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's, 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 that's pretty helpful here. And so anyway, I think when we think about the grain offering, we should see a king and a civilian and the civilian bringing a Thanksgiving offering to the king saying, um, thank you for letting me live in the land. Thank you for giving me this crop. Here is my bread for you to thank you for the covenant continuing. It's a covenantal thing. Okay. Okay. Peace offerings right Let's go to peace offerings and again, it doesn't really describe what it means nope. it' just gives us a title over and, the, and over again and
1: the type of thing that you can do for a peace offering
0: right yes And so again fellow and, and peace offerings here uh, also have a kind of a different name. The, these kind of names the way they developed like they just kind of became the normal way we talked about them you know burnt right. offerings, <clears throat> grain offerings, peace offerings. But, um, you know, the peace offering, there's a lot of debate, especially right now, going on about how this should be translated. And there's not a lot of consensus. But the one that I found most helpful um, is fellowship offering. Okay. Uh, because there's something extremely distinct about this one. It breaks, the, it breaks the pattern of the burn offering because the burn offering, everything different. goes up. Right. The peace offering prepares a meal for you and your family. So the peace offering here, the fellowship offering, is you 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 go through all the same stuff. You bring the animal, you you lay your hands on it, you kill it, uh, you chop it up. But here Aaron instead, Aaron throws the blood. Aaron throws yeah. the blood. But 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 here instead, um, only the kidneys and the fat, all the fat, uh, right, and uh, the, the 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 like uh, the long lobe of the liver and the intestines, all right. that stuff is burned up. Yep. Right. But everything else, you get to have a feast. And it says, grab your family, get your kids, get your wife, put a table near the tent. Where does it say that? Uh, Yeah, it doesn't say it right here in chapter 3, but um, we learn um, in in chapter 7, 15 and 16... It says that all the meat should be eaten up the same day from this offering. Oh, okay. And then again, in Deuteronomy, we see a lot of these things play out. And in Deuteronomy 12, 7, it says this about the, the fellowship right. peace offering. It says, you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord God has blessed you. Okay. So it's like, make this offering, eat everything, right? And do it with your whole household in joy before the Lord. But... I thought we said only the men could come into the temple. So it's not in the temple, right? It's not in the tabernacle, or even in the outer courts where the where the right. um, the altar is. That at would the get... entrance of the tent of meeting. It's, it's, it's the a... entrance of the tent of meeting. So it's like fascinating. Yeah, it's just all outside there because that would get really crowded if everyone right. was coming and then trying to eat right there. It, you would just see families eating all around the. So tabernacle. why
1: would you want to bring your family? Yeah. Why Why would you want to bring a grain offering and say no, okay, oh, or sorry, a yeah, peace offering? Peace offering. With your family and say, okay, here's our sacrifice and then have a picnic. Like, why would you want to do that?
0: Because God comes to the table. So the whole idea here is that the reason why you eat at the tabernacle with your family is to show the fellowship you have with God. That's why it's called a fellowship or a peace offering. Because... Um, it's not. Like, I always assume
1: peace or fellowship, like peace and fellowship with one another. Like I've offended you, or I've hurt you, or accidentally killed one of your cows, and like this is a peace offering to make amends between us. But it's actually between you. Oh, and Oh yeah,
0: we're gonna get to how to make horizontal relationships correct when we get to the guilt offerings and the sin offerings. Like yeah. there's more reparations that are made yeah. there. Even the guilt offering, we'll get to. It's, it's better translated, a reparation offering. Okay. And so anyway, or a, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but here, it's a it's a vertical relationship. And so what we're saying is we have peace with God, but there's a difference between like your sins de- dealt with right. and experiencing peace. Right. Right? A peace offering, whenever you actually have peace with God and you have fellowship with God, that's sitting down to a meal with God. And it's supposed to be this picture of of what the whole book of Leviticus is about. It's that God has come near us. Hmm. And what a better way to do that than to like, sit down with the sacrifice you've given to God, all the good meat from it, sit near the ta- the tent, you can see the smoke coming up, you can see right. other families funneling in, you could even maybe even see the shining presence of God in the tabernacle, right. and you're like, guys, you see this little s- spot right here on the grass that's empty, we're not gonna let anybody yeah. sit there? That's where God sits. And it's like, hmm. you just sit down with a meal with God. So is this what would happen on like feast days? Oh yeah, feast days, but also just any time you could do this any time.
1: So you could so, and so like whenever you had a good crop, like. Praise God. Yeah. We were productive let's this year. Let's, let's, let's go offering. Let's go have a picnic. Yep. Let's go have a picnic. Like yeah. A, let's but like- you might
0: also do it after a particularly heinous sin or like a, a time of extreme impurification or uncleanliness because you would have been ostracized from the people, cut off. Right. You would feel unclean. You would feel unworthy. But then you go make your burnt offering to take care of it, to make atonement. And then it actually says... Um, later on that you can actually set your fellowship offering on top of your burnt offering and cook them at the same time oh. and then take <laughs> your, your fellowship offering off and go have a meal and that's when you can sit down with mm-hmm. God knowing your sins are forgiven and say we have peace with Yahweh so
1: now I'm just picturing the tabernacle and then around it just thousands of picnic tables It's exactly <laughs> how you should picture it <laughs> and then like yes. people coming and every now and again there'll be you know several any day of the week yes. there's some family out there but then on these special days like Passover oh, it's or whatever covered. else covered Everybody's there. Everyone's there. Doing the same thing. Yes. The whole nation of Israel circled around the tabernacle on their little picnic tables, on blankets, celebrating the goodness of the Lord,
0: eating with with God. Right. And that is the hope of the whole Bible, that we might share a meal with God. Mm. Because in Revelation, what happens? Whenever Jesus comes back and he makes everything right, he turns the whole world into his tabernacle. What's the first thing we do when we get to heaven? We feast. We feast. The marriage supper of the Lamb is here. And and that's what Jesus says yeah. at the last supper. Right. So it's it's most closely tied to Passover. That's correct. But it's also
1: God actually sits down and has a meal with them. It's a fellowship offering in that sense so this is a new covenant my blood and he says i will not drink or eat this meal again until until the kingdom
0: and so like that's the whole hope of the bible and like i'm glad you mentioned the lord's supper because this it is the closest parallel we have to the fellowship offering the peace offering is the lord's supper um because there we actually get to eat right Right. that's the big difference is the in the peace offering you actually get to eat some of the food and jesus said i'm going to go sacrifice my body but here, take and eat of it.
1: This makes me feel like this is a better reason to pray over my dinner. <laughs> oh, okay,
0: you yeah. You know, like
1: I'm, I, I pray over dinner and breakfast, and you know, right. most of the time, you bless it. I, I bless <laughs> and I say, God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Right. We recognize that everything that on this table is from you. Yes, and right. so I, I do that. Yep, pretty much every day every day yeah and i've always thought it's like this is what i do and i've kind of assumed like this is just a tradition that kind of christians have that's a good tradition it's a good one yep it's it's kind of like the lord's table but it's different it's like we want to every meal we want to just make sure repeating to our kids and to ourselves that god gave this to us but really a better way to think about it is like every meal every dinner every lunch is a fellowship offering a peace offering with the lord Mm -hmm. we're saying lord you have given us fellowship through your son, Jesus. Right. And so I'm sitting down with you to eat this meal. Yeah.
0: Because if he actually lives in us with his Holy Spirit, we are his new tabernacles. Right. Yeah. Every meal and is like the fellowship offering. And the meals that I'm least likely to pray over are the ones I eat by myself. Oh, yeah. Right?
1: Like, right. Because like, whenever I'm with my family, it's like every, somebody's got to pray. Right. Because it's like, it's a thing. But when I'm by myself or just eating it somewhere, like yeah. I, I it's I forget. Right. Because I don't think I'm fellowshipping with right. anybody.
0: Right but God is intimately near Mm. in that moment. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. So yeah, that that should be the picture. When you hear the word fellowship offering, you should see picnic tables outside the tabernacle. And we should be hoping for this time when we get to sit down with God and have a meal. Okay, so now we finally get to talk about sin. (laughs) The Bible finally, (laughs) Leviticus finally talks about sin. We've talked about it a lot uh, because we know that there's a context for it. Right, and atonement assumes Assume sin, Assume some sort of yes. like dissonance with right. the light and life of God. But now we right. get it, and it's the sin offering. Um, but again, I'm going to always do this. There's a better translation, right? Uh, and it's the purification offering. This, okay. and you and you see why when you see what is done with this offering that's different from the other three we've seen.
1: And we should mention now too that these particular sin offerings and these particular guilt offerings right now are all unintentional sins.
0: Yeah, which is a really weird thing. Like, it's very strange. Like I, I have trouble, and, and so do scholars, have trouble figuring out what is meant by an unintentional sin, because it talks about like when someone sins unintentionally, uh, and then they're and then they're reminded of their guilt, or they do it right. without knowing, or like they suddenly remember, or they, it comes to their awareness.
1: Because then it's not just individual; it's also the whole nation. The whole
0: nation can sin unintentionally. The, How? Like it's like, the only idea that I had for like the
1: whole nation sinning unintentionally yeah. was like. I don't know if this is, is – <laughs> this mm-hmm. might be more political than it needs to be, but like like the sin of racism. Oh, like, yeah. There have been systems, structures, attitudes that nations or generations have had that have intentionally and unintentionally harmed a particular group mm-hmm. of people, right? Like So a lot of that was very intentional. Yes. And for a long time, it's been very intentional. Yes. There's also ways that we can perpetuate racism unintentionally. Per, right? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, I understand. And so like, there's
0: there's certain things like white normativity, right? That I do as a white man in America that I'm completely unaware of. That is is built upon systems of racism and then yeah. whenever uh, a like a, a a kind black sister comes to me and says hey when you do this it makes me feel it like, makes me feel this way or perpetuates this thing and i'm like i had no idea right. i'm aware of my guilt all of a sudden right. and then what do i do i try to make reparations i go
1: oh i'm so sorry <laughs> like and i didn't know a, and then, and then I, in a personal situation like, yeah. i me and my wife have conversations all the time and i'll say something right. that just triggers something in her past and, or you know or just yeah. or it i unintentionally say,
0: offends her unintentionally offends yes. her
1: or maybe it's something that I said just not thinking of how it would af- affect her mm-hmm. and in that moment yes. I recognize. oh, I shouldn't, oh I shouldn't have said that. Not that that even triggers anything. It's like oh right. saying well you should like being blunt overly blunt yep. can be a form of like unintentionally being yeah. like sinful. So anyway I, yes. I was thinking of those things.
0: Yeah yeah, and I think like the whole congregation thing might be like um, imagine like you're marching. The whole congregation is marching moving towards the promised land and they unknowingly are walking over like, like kind of barely buried animal carcasses, which make them unclean. And all of a sudden someone goes, guys, there's animal carcasses we've been walking on. Everyone's unclean, you know, and they're like, oh no. And they would have to do one of these things because they all unintentionally became unclean. This is put a uh, kind of contrasted by what, what numbers calls a high handed sin, right? Which is whenever, you know, you shouldn't do something and you do it. And uh, the example it gives in Numbers, I believe, is gathering sticks on the Sabbath. You know it's wrong. Right, right, you right. You have right. to intentionally go gather sticks and do work. Right. Like, doing work on the Sabbath is a very intentional sin because you have to do it very—you know it's the Sabbath. Right. No one else is doing anything. You know the rules, and you go and do it anyway. And so I think the good news here is that I think a lot of times if we sin unintentionally, we can be like, oh,
1: my gosh, what have I done? Right. Like, there can be a lot of anxiety yep. Like attended with that. Because you know that when you do something high-handedly, like when you sleep with your secretary, right? you know you're doing something wrong, yes. and you know that you should probably expect some blowback. Oh, like, definitely. And But I think a lot of times, a lot of sins are unintentional in that definitely. way. Like yep. I didn't realize I should have. I think like a lot of new Christians who are yep. coming to the Bible for the first time, and they have never read the Bible before, mm. they're living their life as they always would, and they come across and they read the book of Matthew, and they're like, oh my gosh. I don't live like this at all. Right. Like, they read. Un- yeah. They read the Sermon on the Mount. And they're like, Oh my gosh. I, like, I can't I've, do any of I've this. I've unintentionally not followed any of these laws because I didn't know them. Or right. like when in yes. the in uh, when Josiah finds the scroll of the oh, Torah, yes, and reads and he it. reads it for the first time and he weeps because he realizes our <laughs> nation has no been... one's
0: following these laws.
1: And that's not and that's not because they high-handedly did it. They had no. They didn't know. They had forgotten it. That's right. Yeah. So, and even like with my kids or even with myself, like, oh, I forgot that there's a, there's a, there's a text of scripture that says taking care of orphans and widows. Right. Right. And like our church hasn't done anything for that or I haven't done anything about right. that. Like, and like, I need to fix that. Yes. So those are kind but You're
0: of- not, you're not, you're not going like, uh, you know, it's not like I will not take care of orphans. Right. No matter what the Bible says. <laughs> yes. That's a high handed sin. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's helpful. And, and so yeah. what
1: happens in that moment when I do that is often like what's going to happen to me. I've done this unintentionally. Oh, right. Oh crap. Oh, yeah. what should I do? Am I in am I in trouble? Have I lost like sight with God? Like, oh, I forgot to say sorry. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. will God hate me anymore? And the idea here is like, no, there's a sacrifice. You yes. don't have to worry. Come to the come to the front, come to the entrance of the, come to the tabernacle. Yep. And there's a sacrifice right. for you. There's forgiveness for you. Yes. There's a way to be atoned for. There's maybe we may be right again. You don't need to fret and worry.
0: That is good news. That's good news. And so the first thing we see here in the sin offering or or the purification offering, is something that might feel a little odd for us. So in the purification offering, or what you'll read in your Bible most likely as a sin offering, is sin has effects on the land And the tent itself, there are lingering effects of sin that have to be cleansed. And this is going to be talked about all throughout Leviticus. Um, And so what has to happen is the sacrifice is brought. And then with this one, what makes the purification of the sin offering different from the others is the blood isn't just splashed against the side of the altar. Instead, it's taken to very specific places and done with like specific things are done with it. And it depends where it's taken and what is done with it depends on the rank of that of the person who sinned in that society. And so if the priest sin, right, the blood has to be taken all the way into the tabernacle, all the way to the veil in front of the Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the Holy of Holies because the offense has gone deep right if the whole congregation sins, something very similar has to happen but right. if it's just one in one individual doing one unintentional sin uh, uh the priest right. would just dip his fingers in the bowl of blood and then, and then just and then he would just uh, rub it on the horns of the altar yeah which is uh, different than the sides of the altar it, remember, it's higher up it's more significant everything like
1: that it goes back to what we said at the top of the show when we say that so you have the holiest of holies like the the central presence of God and we have these concentric, concentric. S- mm-hmm. circles of Holiness and God's presence extending out, and when somebody sins, it doesn't just stay in that one person. It actually affects the presence of God around them in some sense, right?
0: right? And that might feel weird to some people, but uh, Winham in his commentary gave two really interesting, like modern day examples. So one, he said, you know, we we kind of we we kind of think of the lingering effects of famous people. So you might go visit Elvis's house, right, or something, and you might you might be able to pick up some kind of essence of the yeah, atmosphere, or yeah. the spirit that these great men or right, women right, left right. behind. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and like we understand the lingering effects of something, you know, I like there's about, like holy places in our world. I
1: think about like um, like natural grocery stores and that they're free from toxins. Oh, like, this is really right, bad. like right. what are our toxins? Yeah, and like there's not a ton of science necessarily behind them. Right. Sometimes there is, yep. but there's this idea that there's something out there. That can get inside of us, yep. or can touch the world and pollute it. Yep. Industrial farming
0: pollutes oh, yeah. the world around us. Right. Like
1: there's these ways that we do, we have categories for pollution.
0: Yes, industrial we do.
1: farms don't just affect the square footage no. of that particular farm right. somewhere in Iowa. It actually spreads out and has tendrils in all the major cities and in right. our bodies. Like it affects everything around us. Yes. So when the priest comes and sprinkles blood all around the tabernacle, what is he doing? He's cleaning up those lingering tendrils of sin that have gone throughout right. the entire nation.
0: That's right, and that's so God has a place to live. Right, it cleans up God's house so He can stay there. Right, this is and, and it's like and, and I, this is why oh,
1: yeah. the temple, the the curtain, uh-huh. right? when the high priest, the highest sinner, <laughs> oh yeah, goes and sprinkles it on the the uh, the the veil, the curtain mm-hmm. between the holies, holies of holies. That's why I was thinking about this. This is why the temple is torn in two. The, yes, and when Jesus dies, right? Why? Because. The Garden of Eden, yep. which was in the Holiest of Holies, now spreads out to the entire world. Mm-hmm. Jesus' blood is spilt. It's thrown on yes. the, t- the, the curtain well, yeah. right and, before and the Holy of Holies. It, and, is it gets Holies. To, and it
0: gets to go to the deepest place in the tabernacle because of who he is. Right. Because he's the great high priest. Right. So he gets to go deeper than anyone's ever gone, not just to the physical symbol Of the tabernacle in the actual curtains and everything. He gets to go into the heavenly reality of the Holy of Holies into God's very temple and sprinkle blood there and and give us entrance there. And when he does that, it's so much
1: more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats and priests splitting it on there to provide temporary purification. That's right. It actually splits it open and the world becomes pure for all those who believe in Jesus. That's right.
0: Yeah. And so... um, Oh oh I have to mention this one thing. Yes. I just thought it was too funny. So again when, um, the other th- the other one he he gives is Shakespeare. Shakespeare. She oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was like Shakespeare understands the lingering effects of sin and he talked about how in Macbeth, Lady Macbeth when after she participates in the murder, uh right. there she is haunted by yes, um, a yes. sleepwalking ghost or something like right like anyway like this Yeah and yeah. she
1: says like uh oh, it's like just Oh, oh, I th- he swears. Maybe I shouldn't say. it. <laughs> <laughs> she, I think it's like it's like I can't scrub the damn spot.
0: I think that's what she says. Because <laughs> oh, okay. like, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. trying to scrub the blo- this blood, this imaginary blood out of her she hands, can. she can't. There's lingering effects. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's that's it needs to be pure. And we and we I think we understand that, like the feeling of sin. It's like you know you're forgiven, don't you? Well, yeah, but I still feel guilty. Right. And it's like like and you think of like really intimate sins, yeah. like really hard sins, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? And it's like, how do I scrub the damn spot out? You yeah. know, like, like Lady Macbeth would say. And it's like, we can't. Not as David Bowden. would say. I would not say that. I'm <laughs> quoting. Oh, quoting. <laughs> Thanks, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> but how would we do that? You know, and, um, and it's really important, I think, to, to understand that when the blood of Jesus is sprinkled on our conscience, right, which is what the New Testament says, it's sprinkled on our, our consciences are cleaned by the sprinkled blood of Christ, we can actually go... I'm actually pure. I'm actually holy. I'm actually blameless. Even that
1: like, jump from the curtain to our conscience is really helpful for me because the place of deepest intimacy or deepest pain or deepest like joy that I feel is inside me. That's exactly right. And in the temple structure in the ancient Israel, the holiest of holies, that curtain was where the hot spot mm-hmm. of divine innocence, guilt, all that happened there. Like that helps me. Like I have an inner curtain in my mind right. that is preventing me from experiencing the joy or the yes. freedom or the innocence or the purity yeah. that I really need. And Jesus comes and he spreads the blood and yep. he cleans
0: me. He's like, I clean that. He cleans yeah. it. And and like and that that deep inner part of you, you know, that you you are identifying as your mind, the Jewish mind had a different locale for that. The heart. Yes. Right? Yes. But um what they meant by that were different bodily organs than the bum bump bump bum bump thing that we think of when right. we think apart. They thought of the kidneys. The splachna. The, the splachna, which yeah. is the Hebrew word or the Greek Hebrew word for the guts. So yeah. your intestines and your liver. So what is it that is always taken out and burned um mm-hmm. in the in the fellowship offering and in the sin offering and in the guilt offering? The lobe of the liver. It's the it's your kidneys, the liver and the splachna, your guts. Fascinating and the reason is for that is to say like this is an emotional experience. Those feelings that I feel, and right. the guilt that I feel, and the, the the punishment, and the uncleanliness that I feel in my in my guts. I'm, gonna, I'm pulling that out of the animal and sacrificing it and said even those feelings are clean now. Mm. And like that's a really important symbol. So every time you come upon and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver and the intestine it's like there's a reason. Right. He's saying your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, like those things are touched by the purifying blood of Jesus every time you read that. So just remember that that's whenever good. it feels weird. <laughs> okay, last one. Guilt offerings. Um, another, another, again, another translation for this would be a reparation Offering, and these are these are done when uh, whenever you sin uh, and it hurts someone else, and you you you've done something. You're supposed to bring compensation that's for right. what you've lost. There's not only a, a sacrifice to deal with the sin. There's also compensation to pay back the person for what you've done to them.
1: Plus twenty percent.
0: Plus twenty percent. That's yeah. right. So this is a really. I think a really cool thing that the Bible does here is that it understands that when you sin, most often, you're not just offending God, and it's not only your own conscience that's marred. We've taken care of both of those, right? We've got burn offerings and fellowship offerings to care of the vertical relationship. We've got purification offerings to take care of how my guts feel, right? Right, 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 right. But what about the outer? What about the people next to me? What about when my sin hurts my neighbors, my family, my kids, right? What happens whenever sin actually goes and breaks the world as it always does? Um, the Bible says that we're responsible for that. Leviticus here tells us that the guilt offering um, requires reparations to be made to those offended by sin, mm. other than God in your conscience. And so, if you go and you kill someone's donkey out of right. out of spite, you got to give them a donkey, and then. And then twenty percent more of a donkey. No, you gotta you you, you take the you <laughs> just, take the cost like of the, the leg. The leg. <laughs> no, you take the cost of the donkey and you pay twenty percent based right. on the shekel of the sh- sanctuary. The shekel of the sanctuary. is how much you pay. Um, That's actually David's real say. voice. I, I pretend every other time. He's- that's actually how I talk, though. Yeah, yeah. It's and weird. so, um, and I think that's really interesting. And I think it's a very—I don't like the word "progressive." What's a better word for that? But it, what do you mean? It's just—it feels like a very progressive thing for the for Leviticus to be doing. To be like, this isn't just about your relationship with God. It's also about your relationship with one oh, another, and you need right. to make things right with people. plus Plus twenty percent. Like that's just like grace upon grace to people. Because I think the
1: only category a lot of us, as at least Americans, have for reparations. Are like this far like right. an idea of the far left liberal agenda that wants to have reparations for slavery like right. that's literally the only context I hear the word reparations is now oh yeah is like reparations for slavery and that has been like essentially most people say oh that's a liberal thing and if you're conservative you don't do that like that's a, like right like that's which is like right. that's just it's so stupid okay, so anyway. stupid but anyway that that's, I think the reason why you're struggling to find a word for that right. is because. In our modern context. I
0: guess that's why I'm saying progressive. Right. Because it speak, feels liberal. It right. feels like a liberal thing. But it's not. It's the not. idea, the it's idea a here thing. is that
1: when you harm somebody, when you destroy something, it we we have the same system in the court system. Like, we, like yes. you have caused me bodily harm. A settlement. There's a settlement. And it's yeah. not just the medical bills. No. It's the hurt and the pain. That's right. Or what, what is it called? It's like a, f- a phrase oh, for it. Oh, I like, can't remember. Like, there's a phrase that yes. we use even in our legal system that That's says, right. there's a spe- there's a dollar amount yep. that we can put on the medical bills or the cost of my car. But there's also, like, harm and right. time and things that I can never be compensated right. for. I again. was just
0: in San Diego and I was watching the local news and a, a bicyclist got hit um, on a street because there were no bike paths for him. And he just settled with the city for $250 million because he's a quadriplegic now. And it's oh like, my gosh. and he has, he needs daily around the clock care and 250 will, $250 million will more than cover that. But why did, why was the settlement so big? Well, it's because his whole life is ruined, and no right. amount of money will ever make that right. Right. But maybe that'll help. Like, that's kind of the idea, is like, maybe $250 million so, will make you feel better for being a quadriplegic. It okay. won't, but it It'll, might get close. Well, like, we're making reparations. We're, we're making, making, We're yeah, trying exactly. to, like,
1: smooth over fix this. the relationship. And I'm sure that that man has a much better relationship with the city than he would have if there was no reparations Definitely made. right, yes. It's like, and I, I don't I don't know what that relationship is going to look like, but maybe he becomes an advocate for the city to make bike paths, for safer Definitely. road sa- yes, safety, right. like all that right. kind of stuff. So what we're seeing here is like, this is a cast of characters. These are the types of sacrifices yep. that are offered. There's a whole sacrifice that is purely given to God, nothing's left for you. Yep. There's a fellowship sacrifice that's supposed to celebrate your relationship with God. Yep. There are sacrifices for when you sin unintentionally. Mm-hmm. There are sacrifices for when you have sinned against another an individual yep. and you want to repair that relationship. That's and right. What you're seeing here is like there is not an area of your life in which a sacrifice or an offering is not applicable. That's right. Like there is something for you there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're never left high and dry with your sin. Right. Like God has always provided a way to, to heal that. And the New Testament finds ways to connect what Jesus did to every single one of these major categories of offerings. And we've talked about them right. in, in different ways. The guilt offering here, the reparation offering, I think is, is one of the most beautiful because, again, let's look at the court situation and let's, let's, say, let's say like you have a, a, a mother and her son was killed by a murderer. Right. And the murderer is is found guilty, a death penalty, and she gets a hundred million dollars. Right. Right? Does that bring her son back from the dead? No. No. When Jesus comes and brings ultimate justice and and like through his sacrifice and through his resurrection everything he did as the new high priest as the new guilt offering right what he does is when he shows back up on the scene to bring justice to bring mercy right. on the whole world he says behold i make all things new yeah and jesus is able to take the broken dead things of this world that no legal system could actually put right and finally put them right he can bring sons back to life he can yeah. heal broken hearts he can repair damaged emotions and And like trauma, he can heal. Like he'll do all of that perfectly when he makes all things new.
1: If you're having trouble connecting the idea of sacrifices to Jesus, a really great place to go is Isaiah 53. Definitely. So it's the picture of the suffering servant.
0: And, it's, and and it's and to say like I think it's a very valid thing for you to do. It's the it's the one place that the New Testament always goes, always goes to help us to, understand.
1: But like listen to language. He was pierced for our transgressions, mm-hmm. crushed for our iniquities. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Mm-hmm. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, make many, uh, and then uh, my servant will make many to be accounted righteous. Mm-hmm. He shall bear their iniquities, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yeah. And so, like, so what is the, so this is all language we've just read in Leviticus. Like Isaiah is borrowing language from yes. Leviticus one to five right. to build out this picture of this suffering servant who will die as a sacrifice. But the servant language is also important because all this Levitica, Levitical laws and types of sacrifices are leading up to a description of a priest who is described over and over again as a servant of the people. So when Jesus becomes the suffering servant, it's he's the sacrifice and the servant he's the sacrificed and the priest this is why in matthew when jesus is talking to his disciples about who he is he says even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and that's exactly the words of uh, isaiah when that's translated a little bit differently but when isaiah says he makes an offering for guilt it's the same word ransom for many Tra- numbered with the transgression. And it's the same words in Leviticus. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice. He's the ransom for all people.
0: Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com.